Hey everyone, it's Brian with Wildcat Radio, and it is springtime, which means that it's a little bit slow right now. So what we wanted to do was add the 12-pack radio show to the Wildcat Radio feed. Uh, Rob Bowron and I have been cranking through spring football for the Pac-12, but also for some other conferences too, just a little bit, mostly focused on the Pac-12. And we've been doing our spring uh, questions where we're going through each Pac-12 team, asking questions that we want to look for when it comes to spring. And this week we did USC and we did Arizona. So we talked a little bit about the spring game, celebrated Rob Gronkowski, but really wanted to add this show on a weekly basis, particularly in the off season to give you a little bit extra uh, information and just something else to listen to while we kind of slog through uh, what will be an offseason before football starts. So I hope you enjoy it. We'll continue to do this weekly. We're going to the Pac-12 North in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that, and I hope you enjoy the show. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader and College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. We are in the midst of our spring questions. We're asking so many questions. We're just asking questions, Rob. We have to, you know, Conspiracy theories aside, we're just throwing it out there, throwing it out to the wind. Uh, today, we're going <laughs> to ask uh, questions about USC and Arizona, and um, there's good, you know, just a spoiler alert. There's one big question for both teams we're going to be asking. Uh, thank you for joining us. You can follow the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio. You can follow us on 12-Pack Radio. SharpCollegeFootball.com is our website. And as always, I'm joined by Mr. Rob Bowron. And Rob, we haven't had a lot of reviews in a while. And um, and please don't please don't make us read reviews over the radio. That's like the worst possible thing. I don't. I do not want to do that. So just write a review and give us like some stars and stuff. How are you, sir? I'm good. Yeah. No pledge drives. Like let's, let's avoid that. (laughs) So there are two podcasts I listen to and all they do for the first 15 minutes is just read reviews. And I want to, I want to shoot myself. Um, so we want to get straight to the action. And today, Rob, we're talking USC football and we're talking Arizona football. Let's talk with USC. Um, I, I have the full depth chart here and I want to give a, another shout out as always. It's like the third annual shout out to our friends at Raina Troy. They they have this down. If you want to know about USC football and depth charts and where people are projecting in the spring game, uh, Rain Detroit Radio, RainDetroit.com. I'm sure we'll have Michael or Alicia on at some point, but um, just really, really good stuff. Um, and, and we were able just to really dig through a lot of really good content in terms of how USC is structured this uh, season. They have some new coaches, Rob, they have a new offensive line coach, which is exciting. Uh, what do you think about USC? They seem to be the favorite as always headed into the South, but, uh, Baderink kind of has them clumped with about three other teams. Yeah. I mean, the, the trouble with the Trojans, of course, is the, uh, the on the field performance, right? I mean, <laughs> Last season, they finished at number 24 overall in beta rank. I mean, offense finishes at number 24. That's actually a step back from where they were the year before. Um, number 32 on on defense, you know, and that's some improvement, um, you know, in, in, in the first year uh, under Orlando. But uh, they just, it, it, it's tough to buy. And I, I say this, I like some of the changes that Clay Helton has made. Um, I thought special teams were better with Snyder there. I think recruiting has picked up with Dante Williams in the fold. 
but that said, like the, it still it still feels like that they struggle to capitalize on the talent that they have on their roster, um, and it, it it feels like I mean, and you know the we were talking a little bit about you know the scheme show we had you know last season. Um, you know, USC really struggles to get their best players on the field sometimes. And it, it feels almost as if they're they're committed to doing things a certain way rather than scoring points. Like they're trying to win style points instead of scoring actual points. It's so bizarre because obviously they returned Keaton Slovis. And he had a decent year. I think anybody that watched USC football, USC fans included, uh, would say that he didn't make the jump that we were anticipating from his freshman to his sophomore year. Um but still, even even so, 17 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 67% completion rate. So it's not like, you know, um, I, I think that there's room to grow there for him and for the program. But like you're mentioning, the big, biggest question is like on-field performance and scheme. And there's the biggest, giantest, most large looming question is this offensive line. Because uh, throughout the, I mean, gosh, the last five years, Rob, and it's been funny because sometimes it's been they're going out and they're recruiting five-star and four-star kids and they don't put it together. Um, the last couple of years, I'm not certain if this is just Clay Helton's spin because he wasn't able to recruit at the high level on the offensive line. But, you know, th- their narrative was we're going to go out and we're going to find three-star guys that we can just put together as a unit, uh, which which would make me argue, well, why don't you just get four and five-star guys and make them a unit? <laughs> like, I don't understand the difference there. Um, but But, you know, that's what they were saying. And the offensive line still sinks. And as we are looking into the reports coming out of spring camp, and fortunately USC has been pretty open with their access, the biggest question throughout has been, yikes, this offensive line is kind of a mess. And Elijah Vera Tucker, who went to the NFL, has left. And can they put it together? And then in the spring game, they were just a total disaster. Now, granted, you know, Helton mixed up the offensive line. So the ones and twos were playing together, but, but still like that just shows me that there's no depth on, uh, on the line or, or depth that has been produced. And if Slovis is running around for his life and they can't run again, right. Isn't this the same thing that we saw last year? Yeah, absolutely. And and they, you know, it's, it's interesting because pro football focus had this offensive line graded out at 20 overall. Uh, but most of that was Vera Tucker. I mean, they really liked him. <clears throat> He said he had an excellent, you know, the the best power five pass blocking grade that they handed out last season. Um, but I I think that this line has continued to struggle. And I don't think it's players. I think it's been coaching, yeah. right? Like, I mean, they graded out. Um, and, I, and I want to be like USC. I think a lot of fans, when they, when they say like, oh, USC doesn't run the ball well, they say, oh, it's because they're an air raid team. Well, I mean, Lincoln Riley runs pretty much air raid passing concepts. Um, Bill Bedenbaugh, his offensive line coach has been around air raid coaches his entire career. He's one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Oklahoma runs the ball really well. I mean, and they've introduced, um, you know, like zone, I mean, some zone power type stuff where they're still running a zone blocking scheme, but they're running some counter, you know, you'll see Oklahoma even run QB counter, uh, which is a, a lot of fun. But USC just seems stuck in the mud, um, and a lot of it, I think, I still think, comes back to to coaching. I mean, they they run the ball quite a bit. It isn't a lack of trying to run the football for USC. Uh, it is a, just a real lack of success running the football for USC. I mean, they're they're at one hundred six in effective rush this last season. Um, you know, number eight in effective pass. 
they were at number 109 in effective rush the season before, number four in effective pass. I mean, at this point, really, USC is, uh, it feels like they're running the ball to try to make a point, right? Like, I mean, and and really, when you're that successful at throwing the ball, to continue to run the ball at that clip, it's just criminal. That 109 number that you mentioned, it sounds like, you know, the four in effective pass, 109 in effective rush. That sounds like a Washington State Mike Leach offense. And this is not a, a Washington State Mike Leach offense. Yeah, they don't they, have that kind of split. They run so much. It, you know, it'll be interesting this year to see whether the running game can can figure it out. And whether, I, I think, I would put this more on the offensive line than the running backs, but we'll see. Um, and I think this year we will definitely know because Keontae Ingram comes from Texas. He's somebody that has a tremendous amount of talent. He just got pushed out by B. John Robinson. Uh, Stephen Carr should be healthy this year, finally. So it'll be exciting to see if he um, is really that five-star, like, explosive person that uh, USC was getting when he was healthy. Uh, Keaton Kristen isn't being talked about, and he's really fun. Uh, Vivian Malapai, like, comes back. So, I mean, they have four really solid options. Um, yeah, but, but I have a, I have a hunch that they're going to keep trying to run the ball and just, they're not going to be able to get the holes. I don't know. Like that, that is obviously the biggest question. I don't know any, like anything else to say about the running game and like, and just the quarterback. Oh, one thing to mention too, is Jackson Dart, um, was their kind of key quarterback that came in from this past class along with Miller Moss. It looks like Dart might be the truth in, in a couple of years. Uh, Alicia and Michael were really excited about him. Um, it just seems like he has a lot of presence. But but really, this is this is going to be the Keaton Slova show uh, this year. Um, just hoping that he's going to have some co-stars in the running game. But anything else on the line in the, in the running backs? Because the wide receivers, holy Moses, I think they're going to be pretty solid this year. Yeah, I mean, and 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 we, I do want to like Slovis, you know, both appear to be. I think he was injured last season. I have to like refresh my memory, but um, you know, like you remember in the Arizona and Arizona State games, like he just he looked like he really wasn't putting enough zip on the ball, you know, when he was going in. And with Slovis, I mean, and and the line, you know, often having the struggles that they've had, you know, like I would not in any way like put money that Slovis plays in every game, right? I mean, Dart. You know, Dart's more the guy. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Dart play. Um, you know, because even even though they're not doing like the Washington State like run, you know, run pass splits, their offensive line has struggled enough in in, in pass pro to, to to make you wonder. And with Vera Tucker moving on, I mean, you know, like they they are going to be breaking in some new faces. That makes me so sad that you're like. <laughs> You're not basing that Jackson Dart will play because he's good enough. You're basing it on, oh, no, like we're going to have an injury at the QB1 spot, which I hope does not happen. I want No, I mean, I hope so, too, right? I mean, but if you're USC, you have to feel better, right? Because like the last couple of years, I mean, with the exception of like, of course, when Slovis came in behind, um, you know, JT Daniels, who really broke out a little bit at the end for Georgia last season. Um, you know, like, I mean, they've, I mean, Matt Fink is fine. You know, I mean, who's the guy that ended up transferring to Boise State of all places? Oh, yeah, I forget. Uh, Jack Sears. I mean, they're fine, but they weren't, they weren't, they weren't really, they, they didn't work, right? I mean, um, you know, and Fink had that game where he was basically playing 500 with USC's wide receivers uh, against Utah. I just, I, I, I you know, I, if I'm a USC fan, I mean, having, having a backup quarterback that I'm excited about it, it is a win. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is true. And he's going to have some interesting pieces to throw to. One of the questions I have for um, coming out of spring is how good are the wide receivers not named uh, Drake London and Katie Nixon? I think we kind of know what Katie Nixon is. 
I don't think he's going to blow the doors off at USC. I think he's going to be fine. Um, we know Drake London is a star and really is filling in that tight end position. I mean, like when we talk about throwing to the tight ends, yeah, they're going to be fielding tight ends out there. But Drake London is just such a big body and has taken over, you know, 500 yards last year, 15 uh, yards per catch. He had three touchdowns. He'll be out there. And this kind of reminds me of like the offensive side of the secondary a few years ago, Rob, when they had a bunch of four and five star guys out there and you just didn't know whether or not they were going to put it together. You know, they bring Kyle Ford, the number six wide receiver of 2019. He's going to be out uh, on the field. He previously had torn his ACL. Brew McCoy, the five star guy, comes in. And um, Gary Bryant was in that really god awful class that Helton brought in. Gary Bryant, Bryant was like the star you know, the the crown jewel. He was a four-star wide receiver, and it seems like the staff really likes him. Michael Jackson, the third, is there. He could be interesting. It's just whether or not, I mean, I, I, I would be more bullish on this than the secondary. I think sometimes in the defense, you really got, I mean, like wide receiver, it's like, run this route, please. And you're, by the way, you're faster and stronger and better than everybody. So I, I'm, I'm actually really bullish on the wide receiving core, even without Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, losing Tyler Vons as well. I don't know. What, what do you think about the wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of talent here, and I I expect them to have you know some pretty good. I mean, where they ran into trouble last season was they they often struggled because of where they were putting St. Brown on the field to get London on the field as much as they really should have, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I I think that that's something that they can easily you know I should say like they should be able to easily correct, um, you know, and just get their you know they get their best wide receivers on the field. I mean, and it may be. I mean, given I mean, they seem pretty committed to running a lot of eleven personnel in this. I, I mean, it really may be that USC's best option here is is to to go you know without a tight end and run four wide. Yeah, and, and their initial tight end that they're going to run out there is more of a blocking tight end. So if they're running him out here is for pass protection, and Lord Almighty, they're going to need it. Um, and I think that's also the reason you sent uh, Malapai out there more than the other running backs was because he could block. Like I think that's yeah. that's the other thing that he brought to the table is protecting the quarterback. You know, it was interesting when we think about the wide receiving core a few years ago, or maybe even last year, like last year and the year before that, there didn't seem to be a lot of depth outside the top the top talent. You know, you had Omnara St. Brown, you had Vons, you had Pittman, and then it was kind of like, well, what are they going to do after that? Uh, well, they're going to be USC. That's what they're going to do after that. <laughs> they were, I think they really did a good job filling the depth and a lot of the holes at the wide receiver position um, to the to the point where I do think that there's just a lot of really interesting pieces here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought, I mean, Nixon coming in, um, you know, in addition to what they really already have. And I mean, really, if you're, if you're USC, you would, I mean, I, I think that they've done a good enough job recruiting and, uh, and developing players at this position. I'm not, I'm not too worried, um, about how they're going to be with bonds. Um, you know, having moved to, you know, uh, bonds and St. Brown having moved on. I mean, they have a lot of really talented players, and you know, guys that are, you know, are going to benefit from, you know, like in McCoy's case, you know, like having spent some time, you know, in the system. Well, here's a question for you. Do you see USC making a step forward on offense um, over last year? Because, I mean, losing St. Brown and losing Vons is a big deal. And they still have a bad offensive line without their starting left tackle. <laughs> um, like, there, there could be a scenario where this offense kind of puddles around that 25 mark, you know, like a top 25 offense, which is what you do not want to see if you're a USC fan. Do you see them taking a step forward this year? I mean, just given what you've read about so far? Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that I mean, they were at number 11 uh, in, in 2019. Um, 
you know, I could still see them taking a step forward. I think, you know, Slovis, you know, being healthy and them having a viable option behind him, I, I think would make a big difference. Um, I do think, you know, their offensive line coaching can't get a lot worse. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean I was surprised that I was surprised at the hire because they hired a guy, I mean, an air raid guy, but a guy that had kind of bounced around, you know, the, the fringes of college football, USC, you'd sort of, I mean, I don't want to say fringe, I mean, Washington state and Texas tech and some other air raid schools. Um, but if you're USC, you're sort of expecting them to go get somebody that's, you know, uh, an assistant offensive line coach from the pros or something like that. Um, I think that, you know, th- this offense, if they're, if they are able to improve their running, I, I am, I am not convinced that Graham Harrell is going to walk away from running the ball as often as he does. So they just have to get better at it. Um, but I think their passing game will be stronger potentially with, with Slovis there. I, I, I think there's still too much talent on the field and, and to, to, to cover effectively. Um, and I think Slovis will, will probably have a pretty good year. And I, they were, they were, they did appear decent in pass protection, you know, at times last season, I thought Slovis took, even though he seemed kind of injured, I thought he took less heat than he did the year before. Um, so I, I think they can take a step forward. They really need them to though, because um, I mean, I think even if the defense does take a step forward, the South isn't as bad as it has been, right? I mean, the fact it used to be that you could sort of look at USC schedule and say, all right, like Utah circle that one, um, you know, and for the past couple of years, and there wasn't really another outstanding tough game on their, on the South schedule. Now, I mean, it, it does, I mean, USC, UCLA can, can play them close. I think ASU can play them close, um, you know, and Colorado has been improving. Yeah, one other question I have for them would be, you know, they have the new offensive line coach that comes from uh, offenses that are used to getting the ball out quickly. And now they have Keontae Ingram, who could be a threat out of the backfield. They have Stephen Carr, who could be a threat, uh, you know, catching passes out of the backfield. Are they going to scheme around that if the offensive line is a mess? And I'd really like to see that, uh, just them moving that ball forward um kind of making up for the lack, I mean, frankly, a lack of talent at the offensive line or a lack of coaching, if that if that's where you want to put it on. Uh, are they going to be able to do that? So we'll, we'll see. And um, and I really hope that they do put it together. But I think maybe secretly some USC fans are hoping that they don't. <laughs> because yeah. if, if Helton doesn't do well this time, I mean, that's got to be it for him, right? I mean, I think if Helton doesn't, I mean, you're talking about a couple of years removed, really, from them winning the Pac-12. You're still talking about USC not having any playoff, um, you know, I, I mean, and the, I mean, would you have expected at this point in the college football playoff to have USC never have appeared? I mean, that's kind of shocking. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I, th- I do think that, I mean, the, they did make some good investments, I think, like I said, to improve the staff, but you know, with Helton, I, I mean, without, he, I mean, he, it's also true. Like if Cliff Kingsbury doesn't get hired by the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, Clay Helton might be in a totally different place, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, he had one of the best play callers in football signed up to be his OC. Um, so I do think he can, I mean, Clay Helton can go out and make a good hire. I just don't know how many more opportunities he's going to have to say, you know, like we need a new DC. Let's go get one. You just hired one. You need a new offensive coordinator because Harold's not quite going to get you there. 
I, I, at that point, I, I would expect USC to go out and, and, and potentially make a hire. Yeah, because that hire could go on and bring on the offensive and defensive coordinator. Right, yeah. I mean, you might and you might hire somebody that actually, I mean, like do what Texas, I mean, like USC fans obviously wouldn't have wanted Sarkeesian, but, you know, like do what Texas did and go out and hire a guy that's one of the top offensive play callers in the game and then let him go. I mean, if you were, I mean, USC fans may not have wanted Steve Sarkeesian, but like, Sarkeesian went out and hired Kwiatkowski from Washington. I mean, that's a good mix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, success brings success. Uh, and just the dumbest contract buyout ever. Like, who's going to buy out Clay Helton? I mean, just the fact that that's overhanging USC is just just the yeah. dumbest thing ever. But um, but whatever. Um, okay, let's get to the defense. Let's do I, it I mean, right if, if Arizona can scratch up the money to, like, fire Kevin Sumlin in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, certainly USC can scratch out the money. I mean, like, I mean, Texas can, if Texas can, so can USC. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know that there's not a shortage of money in Southern California. That's for certain. Uh, all right, let's get to the defense and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. And I have bad news right off the bat. Uh, Rob, we, I was taking a look at the defensive line and Brandon Peely, the, uh, the big guy up in the middle, uh, may or may not have, uh, injured his, well, he definitely injured his leg and it, I think it's an ACL. I have to go back and double check, but it is, it is likely that he could be out for the season, which totally sucks because, um, I, I just I, this line could be really good. Either that or the offensive line is just god awful. <laughs> because uh, from all the reports from camp, it's just that all the the, the defensive linemen from the edges to the middle are just uh, doing really really well right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's you know really you know like I, I like some of the talent that they have here. I still, I mean, we I still have a lot of the same questions we had coming into last year, right? About you know in Todd Orlando's system. You know, do they have anybody that can play two gap? Tufele, you know, opted out. He's off to the NFL. He's going to get drafted, you know, in the draft today, you know, this week. Is it this week? It better be this week. I'm so tired of draft Twitter. Yeah, I know. Yes. Uh, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I don't care who you draft. How about that? That's where I'm at. So, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, like, I still think they have some of those, those questions, right? They, they need to find somebody that can, you know, really, uh, you know, get down there and, 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 you know, eat up some blockers for them for Orlando system. And that's why, I mean, I don't think that that's, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I'm alone in sort of, you know, asking that and wondering that. I mean, I like that said, I like their rushing, you know, the, t- the talent that they have, uh, you know, to, to rush the quarterback. Um, you know, it really, I mean, and, and I would still count, I mean, Drake Jackson's listed as an outside linebacker. He's going to run, rush the quarterback a lot for yeah. Orlando. Um, you know, it really is like, who's, who's going to eat up blocks. So the guys, you know, the guys can get downhill and get there. They've got some size. I mean, um, you know, they're, they've got a cut, you know, they've got more than a few guys that are above 300 pounds, but Peely was probably the guy that you felt like might be able to step up and, and do it. Yeah. They got a, um, they got an Alabama transfer in Ishmael. I think it's, it's softer is, is how you pronounce his name. So he comes in, um, they got some interesting, you know, one of the, one of the guys that really stands out is Stanley and I'm, I apologize, guys, I'm going to get this, but it's uh, Taofu, I think is how you pronounce his name. He was an inside linebacker recruit that they just beefed up beyond all measure. And he's moved from inside linebacker to interior defensive lineman, which is bonkers. <laughs> so I'm interested to see if he's going to be able to be a force down there. And they have some other bodies, like you mentioned behind him. I think the edges are fine, but yeah, same thing that you're saying, Rob, my biggest question is, can they hold the line in the middle 
and um, and Peely being out kind of sets them back a little bit. And it's a good thing they went to the transfer market because they have another body down there um, that comes in with a lot of pedigree. So um, we'll we'll see if they're able to do that. Because one of the things that was bizarre was a few years ago, it's like, yeah, they had those those guys in the middle, but you could still run on USC, which was just uh, it, it, it kind of blew my mind to to watch that on on film. Yeah, I mean, and they they were they struggled against the run last season. They were graded out at forty eight in effective rush and beta rank. Um, you know, and you know they were at nineteen in effective pass. I mean, pretty good. And and they definitely had some losses on the back end. You know, so I mean, I, I think they are going to have to fix that. I, I do think. I mean, getting a new defensive system and a new defensive coordinator. You know, that left a lot of defenses. Or you know, that would leave anybody in a, a shortened off season. You know, and, and especially as as quick as the Pac-12 tried to ramp it up, um, you know, it, it could leave you in some trouble. So I, I do think that they will get better. Um, you know, for perhaps than they were last season. So I mean, I, I think that I I mean, I Orlando wasn't a um, you know he wasn't a real headline hire, but I think he's an improvement over what they were doing, and you know, I, I expect them to improve a little bit coming into this year. My, but they're going to have to clean up the run defense, and it's it still comes back to like keep watching USC, look in the middle, and see if anybody can play two gap. Yeah, in addition to that, if you take a look at the backers, right? Who who's behind the defensive line? The linebackers, I think, is a question too. You know, you lose Gate Ote, who didn't live up to the hype, but still was a piece that um, I was hoping could put it together, but he's gone. And so now you have somebody like Raylan Goforth, who was a starter last year, but he wasn't great. Um, he has to fend off like Jordan Iacefa, who's had some injury issues. Uh, Solomon T, as I may call him, another guy that's, uh, I think he's married uh, and has uh, just had major injury issues that came in uh, really hyped. He hasn't really put it together yet. And is he going to be healthy to challenge for that spot? You have Kanai Munga, who was a regular starter last year, and I think was better than than Goforth. But still, I don't know. Like I kind of look at the names, and yeah, there there was a lot of stars in all these names, but they they didn't look like a five star linebacking core uh, when you see them on the field. Yeah, and that one is interesting. I mean, if you would have asked me, I mean, talking about like, oh, if you would asked me years ago, like yeah. if you'd asked me if th- this that linebacking class, which was like all world that USC signed, that that. They, you'd be sitting here coming into the season and saying, well, we have some questions. <laughs> I would have told you you were nuts. I would, I would have been sure we would have been talking about USC's all-world linebackers. Um, and it, it is, it is. I mean, they, they do have to stay. They do have to have the, the defensive line helping to keep them clean in the system. And they also really have to understand, you know, the run fit. And I think they struggled with that too last season. So, um, I think they have an opportunity to improve. I mean, there's certainly a ton of talent there. If they're if they're really able to understand Orlando's system um, and be ready to play this season, they should be playing faster on the field. How was the pass defense last year, Rob? Because this secondary also is kind of similar to the linebacking core, where there's just a lot of talent on paper that came out of high school. And uh, were they able to put it together the last couple of years? I mean, they graded out a 19 overall, um, which is pretty good. Yeah. And then they were at, uh, I mean, the year before... They were, I mean, the defense the year before was really bad, but the the run the, the run defense was the worst worst of the, you know, units. I guess you could say the the pass defense was still pretty effective. I mean, marginally effective. I guess you should say at forty three versus in the seventies for their run defense in twenty nineteen. Oh, well, that's good. Um, you know, they lose Elijah Griffin, but Chris Steele, Isaac Taylor, Taylor Stewart, Greg Johnson returns. I don't know. I, I like is is this the strength of their defense? I mean, I would think so. I mean, you definitely, I mean, like we talked, like you like the talent, 
you know, like you'd like the talent profiles at all the other positions, but I mean, other than Drake Jackson, you know, like these guys at least have experience and have played pretty well. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I, I like this. I, I like their secondary to have a pretty good year this year. Okay. Any other things we should be talking about when it comes to USC? Again, this is kind of just the the general overview. I'm sure we'll have a guest on and really take a deep dive as we get closer to the season. But anything else you want to bring up here for USC? No, no, I think that covers them. Okay, let's go from the uh, top team to the bottom team of the Pac-12 South. And uh, let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. And we're talking Arizona football, which I'm sure everyone is so excited about. Because uh, new coaching staff, Jed Fish comes in, Rob, you know, shaking up the offense. He brought in a lot of alums. Um, man, we, we were more like, so So we got a lot right last year. We also got a lot wrong. <laughs> and I think this one was really at the top. Uh, I, we Neither of us saw how god-awful the offensive line was going to be, which is kind of similar to, to USC. I, I, although I would say, obviously, USC's offensive line was better than Arizona's. But Arizona also suffered from the same problem where it was just it was just kind of a mess. I mean, Grant Gannell gets knocked out. There's that, and I wish I wish there was a gif of it where you know he breaks his shoulder or whatever, and somebody like pats him on the shoulder on the sideline, and he just winces in pain. And that was the yeah. perfect metaphor for Arizona football that year. Um, what do you think about uh, the chances that Arizona has to at least you know move the move the basement up a floor or two? You know, I I I was somewhat I, I would say mostly because of Grant Gannell. High, I mean, high-ish. I was, I like, I still expected them to lose a bunch of games, but I didn't expect that to be as bad as they were. I would also say, I mean, if you look at that team, I mean, they also just quit. I mean, really, I don't know that there's another way to describe. I mean, after the USC game, it just felt like the team quit. Um, you know, sort of like midway through that first half against Washington. Um, and really, by the time you got to the ASU game, I mean, you had opt-outs all over the place. And uh, so, I, I mean, I, but I wasn't expecting the offensive line to, to crater the way that they did. Um, I think that that's your main, I mean, real main concern coming into this year. Um, you know, I think if you're in Arizona, I mean, there are, there are concerns all over this team. Yeah. <laughs> but I think your main concern is, is still, you know, that one right there that the offensive line, um, you know, uh, if they don't improve, I mean, they're returning a lot of guys that have played, you know, over the last two seasons. Um, like Donovan Lye is back, you know, Jordan Morgan, they expect to compete for a tackle spot. Um, you know, Ed, Edgar Barola is back off suspension. Um, but there's, you know, they they just, you feel like they couldn't have been. You, they, you, honestly, I think they were not, uh, among the very worst offensive lines in all of college football last season, not just Power Five. Oh, they they were terrible, and you know, they they bring in the new offense coordinator. They bring in Brandon uh, Brandon Carroll, uh, Pete Carroll's son, who was an offensive line coach in uh, for the the Seahawks. You know, Jed Fish is an offensive mind, but still, you can have a great scheme. But if your line is just a mess, I mean, we saw exactly what happened on that front. You know, that's why you saw Will Plummer play quarterback because uh, you had the injury <laughs> uh, to yeah. Gunnell early in the season, and Plummer certainly wasn't ready for prime time. We saw that. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, especially in the Pac 12, if a team played Arizona, 
I mean, that that was an automatic win, and it boosted your defense numbers. <laughs> like, it was just because it was just awful. Um, Arizona really had some interesting pieces at the running back position, um, and they still do. But can the line give them holes to to run in? I I, I don't know the question there, like whether or not that's going to be the case. They have Michael Wiley. They have uh, Drake Anderson, the Northwestern transfer. Uh, they have some other people, Bam Smith, Jalen Johnson uh, behind them. Uh, the wide receivers are interesting, but they're not like going to blow you out of the water. I think Jamari Joyner's uh, probably the best of the bunch. They do have some speedy guys in Stanley Berryhill, and uh, I think it's Tavian Cunningham who is also there. But I, mean, I guess the other thing too, Rob, is you know we might see some two tight end sets a lot because they're going to need the extra bodies to, to keep that quarterback on the field. Um, and they yeah. switch over from the air raid to more of like a Rams type of offense, which I don't know. Like I still, I, I like this, this, I, I do not have high hopes for this offense. Um, you know, they have the, oh, I don't, I don't think anyone should have high hopes for this offense this season. I mean, fish has fish is, as an offensive play caller is good. I mean, he, he's a good play. I mean, he's a good offensive mind. I mean, um, you know, he was before he took that job with the Rams after he was the offensive coordinator at UCLA, you know, Nick Saban wanted to hire him as the QB coach at Alabama. Um, you know, like Michigan really had their best years throwing the football when he was their passing game coordinator. Uh, you know, like I, 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 I like fish as a play caller, whether this set of personnel that he has is going to get him anywhere is another story. Um, and it's going to like, I do want to call out like, I mean, the staff I think is a lot better, you know, and this goes back to like two staffs, right? Like I thought the Rich Rod staff really stunk at player development too. But I mean, I, I think we have to call out like Kevin Cummings, the offensive or the, the wide receiver coach that they got from San Jose state. I think that was a really good get. Um, I think Arizona's receivers have really struggled in being coached to run routes properly um, under the last two staffs. Um, you know, I mean, they had a, they had a nepotism hire. Mazzoni's kid was the wide receiver coach. Um, they do have a dedicated tight end coach for the first time in a long time. I think, you know, I think on campus and he's familiar within the PAC 12, uh, Papeo, um, spent some time at Washington. Um, you know, there's, I mean, it's going to like, I think it will all come down to, I mean, I, I also like, it's all going to, in theory, come down to the offensive line, but like, gosh, they have a lot of questions at quarterback. Oh man. Oh yeah. I mean, um, like, cause Plummer didn't, didn't show that he was ready for prime time. Gunnar Cruz, you know, the transfer from Washington state, they got Jordan McLeod from uh, Southern Florida. So it's interesting, but none of those guys, I'm like, hell yeah, Arizona is set at quarterback. And now, now you have somebody that you're not quite certain is set plus a bad offensive line and okay wide receivers. And it could be, I mean, the spring game might be the highlight of this Arizona season when Grob- <laughs> Gronkowski's catching 600 yard, uh, uh, footballs dropped from a helicopter. Uh, that, that might be the best thing about, uh, about Arizona this year. Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, I mean, Fish made Devin Modster look good when he was, you know, at UCLA. You know, that UCLA offense, he really pulled them out of a ditch from where they ended up. Um, so, I mean, I think from a, you know, scheme and play calling aspect, you know, they should be fine-ish, right, from that. It is really going to be, can the offensive line gel to just not be terrible? And then, I mean, I just, I'm, I was a little, like, if there was a big bummer about the, the the transfer portal and fish it was that i mean i don't know that cruz i thought maybe they could have done better than cruz and mcleod in the, in the transfer portal 
Um, McLeod has some accuracy issues in his past. He certainly got some athleticism and, and, and fish could certainly use that. Um, you know, Cruz, he's just, you know, we haven't seen him on the field enough. Um, you know, you certainly do like that, you know, if Mike Leach recruited him, he recruits guys that are accurate. So, you know, if he can get his head around the offense that can work. Plummer, I mean, I, I put Plummer and Cruz right together because, like, I mean, Plummer played terribly as a true freshman with almost no camp, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, but Plummer was and behind that god-awful offensive line. I mean, he they both, Cruz and Plummer, have had moments in camp, but nobody's really stood out yet. It'll be a full, wide-open QB competition, you know, for them, uh, you know, in, in the fall with McLeod showing up, too. I guess the question, I, I mean, I mean, I, I might expect, I mean, if, if somebody's not playing well, you know, like I, I might expect to see, you know, them get the the hook and, and, um, you know, somebody else come in. You just, if you're an Arizona fan, you're not expecting this team to be particularly good. You just, you'd like to see them, you know, show progress, I think off of last season. Oh, absolutely. But I, if, if there's one thing that Fish has brought so far, it's at least some attention to Arizona. I mean, that spring game, best spring game ever. Like, Rob Gronkowski oh, yeah. throwing water balloons at co-eds. <laughs> it was just, like, it reminded me. So I went to school in that era, and it reminded me of college at Arizona. I'm like, that, like, why didn't they do that? Or, I mean, like, why didn't they do the, the hosing, the Gronkowski's catching footballs and spiking? And it's just, like, outlandish. It's hot out there. You know, everybody's showing how, like, how the weather is beautiful. So Fish and Leach is, is giving players a reason to check out Arizona uh, because that is a fun school to go to. And if you are a football player, um, I'm sure that, that that would be an enjoyable experience. <laughs> so at least he's showing off all the things that aren't the actual football product <laughs> to people. <laughs> so I appreciate that, Rob. Um, did you have a chance to read any of the stories about that? It was wild. No, I mean, I, I think if, I mean, for Fish has, you know, I, for a program that is literally about as low as you, I mean, other than say Kansas, where you still don't have a head coach. <laughs> 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 I mean, no one gets lower than the Jayhawks, but you know, it, it feels all, I mean, I don't think that fish has the talent on the roster to come in and suddenly pull like a Greg Shiano at Rust, Rutgers and suddenly like they're, they're, they're not like, I wouldn't say Rutgers is a very good football team, but they're not terrible. Um, after one season, I think fish has, you should see versus what you saw last year. It should see like, they will still be an extremely bad football team. It'll feel like night and day. I'm sure versus <laughs> where they were last year when they basically, I mean, they did, they just quit on, on Kevin Sumlin and the staff. Um, you know, and I, I, I think, you know, and, and it's not, I mean, it's not like, I mean, you could also say like Michigan quit on Jim Harbaugh last season too. I mean, there were a couple of teams that just threw in the towel. Penn State, um, yeah. 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 And I mean, I think that, you know, fish can get it going. I think he's done a really good job more than expecting. And I was trying to talk Arizona fans off the ledge when fish was hired because um, a lot of people were extremely mad that it wasn't an alumni or that it wasn't the coach from San Jose State. Um, they had that one said, good season, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, Fish's X and O's are good. His con- and I, I said, you know, if he's able to leverage his connections around football to make good staff hires, then, you know, like you can't ask for any more than that. On top of it, he's he's done a really good job handling PR practices and scrimmages are wide open to the public you know, former players are flocking back. You know, Rob Gronkowski hadn't been back since he left to be drafted. 
Um, you know, like there's, there's legitimately for a team that is going to be very bad. There's actual, you know, sort of excitement about what fish might be building. I would just caution literally everyone who's, you know, who's an Arizona fan to, you know, like this is, this is going to be like that old saying of like year one, lose big year two, lose small. Um, year one is going to lose big. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we should talk about the defense here too, because the defense was a problem. Also, they lose Roy Lopez, who had a really good season. At the, oh, he was awesome. Yeah. And like, even when Arizona quit, he didn't. And that was fun to watch because he was a really talented player that got a chance to really prove himself at a power five conference. And even though the rest of his team sucked, he showed why he was a star at New Mexico state. Um, you know, they return Aaron Blackwell. They return some pieces like JB Brown was, is probably Arizona his best NFL prospect. He opted out of the 2020 season. He returns. Um, it, it's interesting because uh, Jalen Harris was somebody that had a really good freshman year and then just fell off the face of the earth. Um, or uh, that's Kylan Wilbur. There's been a couple of them, but, but Harris yeah. was also somebody that had a lot of talent. And uh, it's funny, Don Brown, who's their defensive coordinator, he came over from Michigan. He continuously asks him, how many sacks did you have last year? And the answer is zero. And I just <laughs> I just like that. The fact that it, because and I think he's doing it because he, Harris actually has the talent. So he yeah. just keeps reminding him, hey, you sucked last year. Um, let's 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 turn this around. And I think that and it seems like Harris is actually open to that. You know, if, if he was really picking on him and it was, you know, if it was in bad with a bad energy then I think it's different but I do think it's because he sees the talent that's there um all that to say I think the defensive line isn't going to be all that good but at least there's some interesting pieces on that front they tried to fill in the linebacking core they got the the Mac player of the year as their inside linebacker um but it does make me worried Rob that like the second best linebacker is like a uh, a guy from Bowling Green that played like that started like one year <laughs> like I think that's probably yeah. the issue I mean, I, I would not at all be surprised. I mean, so, I mean, Brown is a, regardless of the year, the terrible year that Michigan had defensively last year, Brown is a significant get for Arizona. <laughs> like, like, their defense may still be very bad this next year, but like Brown, I mean, Brown has coached more top 10, de- I mean, like more top 10 defenses in the last you know, like we're talking like seven, eight years than Arizona's had, yeah. <laughs> has had in the last 20, you know, I mean, including, and people will say like, oh, you know, like, I mean, the talent in Michigan, like he coached very, very good defenses at Boston College and UMass. Um, and so I think with Brown, that's a significant X and O upgrade for Arizona. I mean, just like fish, right? Like, I mean, th- that's a, that's a good get for Arizona and it was a good get for fish, but like and I and I will also say this: if you asked me, like I would trade, I would take this defensive line over where Arizona was three years ago. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> like yeah. not last year. I mean, because you have Lopez in the middle, just as a. Mo- I mean, it was a shame that lo- the year that Lopez was there, that Schooler and Tony Fields transferred because they could have had very good years with with Lopez actually eating up blocks for them. Yeah, but. Um, you know, Blackwell was serviceable. I like Parrish Shand, um, a, a guy that might develop and, and get some playing time. Um, you know, Trevin Mason's pretty good too. And, and as you know, I think people are starting to notice, I mean, starting to notice him and, and I think he's maybe taken a step forward. I mean, the nice thing about having a new staff is for a lot of guys that they have an opportunity to, to start out over and shine, you know, potentially shine again. Um, they have both Harris brothers now, the, the former four-star transferred from Colorado to Arizona as well. 
Um, you know, and so, I mean, there, it's some of those guys may end up in, in Brown system too, playing I mean, in the same way that, you know, Drake, uh, Jackson is a, you know, listed at outside linebacker. He's going to be rushing a lot. You know, I think the same goes perhaps for the Harris's, um, you know, and if you're, if you are Arizona, my, my real big concern and, and, you know, here is that I think with Pandy and then the two transfers from the Mac, um, and you know, one of the Harris brothers on the field, if you find, if you are Arizona and you find yourself putting three linebackers, you know, four linebackers on the field, I think you're okay. You don't have as much depth as you'd like for sure. Um, my concern though is, is like, man, when you start getting into defensive backs, like it starts getting, it starts getting thin in a hurry. Like, I mean, there's some guys you like, like, um, you know, Christian Roland Wallace, um, you know, and, uh, you know, Mackenzie Barnes has been, and the corners have been, the corners have been surprisingly decent at Arizona for a couple of years. The safeties have been the real, real problem. Well, that, that's, <laughs> and I don't want to, but like, if you're in, if you're in nickel, I mean, it gets real thin after, I mean, if you're, if you're a nickel or dime. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think one of the things is I was reading an article on, uh, you know, and, and we're alums, so I think we have a, a pretty good finger on the pulse of the program although we thought they were going to be a lot better last year i still thought they'd be like a 500 team but i didn't think they were going to be like god awful the the, yeah. the interesting is like this one site was basically like this player had a pretty good season last year and this player also had a pretty good season i'm like no no they didn't they did not no have a good did. season <laughs> it's an awful awful Roy lopez had a good season and that was about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're talking about um you know there's a walk-on that ended up playing a lot of time at linebacker and it kind of reminds bad me sign. yeah bad sign it reminds me of the richrod season <laughs> And we're like that Sir Thomas Jackson was like the third oh leading tackler <laughs> best, on the best team. Name. Yeah, it's best best name. Um, and it was like, wow, Sir Thomas Jackson had like 75 tackles. He must be really good. And then and then Rich Rod finally started recruiting the position. He was like never seen again. <laughs> and that kind of yeah. reminds me of uh, Arizona's, you know, the, basically what they're running out by the end of the year. The one thing I want to give him credit for is, you know, you mentioned that fish probably could have done a better job bringing in a quarterback from the transfer portal. He did really try to fill as many holes as possible on the defense. So we already mentioned yeah. the Mac linebackers. He brought in a, a cornerback named Isaiah Rutherford, who is a really high, highly recruited uh, cornerback who is at Notre Dame. He's going to likely start at the second spot across from Christian Roland Wallace. Um, they, they brought in some Northwestern players and I mean, it look, <laughs> Like they're gonna lose a lot, um, yeah. But given all of the, given all the crap that got dumped in his lap, I think this is about as good as Arizona fans can expect from a first year, which likely means probably going maybe winning one or two conference games max. But um, you know, but but it is what it is, and it'll it'll be interesting to see whether or not. Um, I mean, it's really gonna be on fish to recruit this coming year. And if, and if he's able to pull in some talent and coach him up, then maybe Arizona can claw back its way to, you know, the middle of the pack. But I think it's going to take a couple of years, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I, Rutherford, you know, the, the transfer from Notre Dame, he's been, you know, pretty well liked for his playing camp. Um, you know, Mackenzie Barnes, Malik Hausman are, are good. You know, it's, it's going to be with Christian Roland Wallace. But I mean, if you look right now, I mean, they really, you're talking about like guys that are coming in, in the class that they just signed, you know, as freshmen are likely going to have to be in the depth on the two deep because right now for spring, they have five guys listed at the corner right now. 
I was, um, I was listening to Michael Lev, and he was, and and Lev uh, was a former beat writer for USC, who now covers Arizona. So he, I mean, he really does know football. He's very good, and um, and it was funny because he was like, I don't know, this walk on Jaden Young might might be able to back up our free safety. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no for. <laughs> but that's really too been like I mean a major you know the and you know this goes back to the coaching that, I mean, when Marcel Yates was coaching the safeties, I mean, they just really struggle. Are they re- the linebackers and safeties have, have struggled in coverage, um, you know, for Arizona. And so, you know, I, I do like that they're getting Gunnar Maldonado in for Northwestern. That's a very, very good, well coached defense um, that they run at Northwestern. So him having some experience there is a big one. Um, but I mean, it's true that I mean, like they're, you know, Don Brown, I mean, his nickname is Dr. Blitz. I mean, he's not, he, he, his, his, his favorite catchphrase is, you know, solve your problems with aggression. So I don't expect him to sit back and just let teams beat him. I mean, <laughs> he's gonna, he's but And that's going to put, you know, uh, you know, Arizona's corners and safeties and, and linebackers in a position where they're going to have to cover. Right. And they're going to have to do well at it. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that that's, I mean, I expect Arizona to give up a lot of big plays as a result. Now on the bright side, if you're an Arizona fan, maybe you're hoping that you also can generate some big plays with the blitzing defense, but I expect this season them to their explosive drives number to be pretty bad. Yeah. Get get them while you can get them those points on yeah. Arizona. Um, I think, I think they're going to boost a lot of people's numbers this year, but, um, yeah, you, you know, you always know that it's kind of, it's, it's pretty rough when you don't have the talent and you're relying on pressuring the quarterback with a ton of blitzes in order to stay competitive in the game. Yeah. Like, cause that is high, high risk. And, uh, and depending on the talent, it could be a low reward also. <laughs> so you never know what you're going to get there. Um, anything else in Arizona here, Rob, before we head out? No, I mean, I just, they're like, if you're, like I said, like if you're an Arizona fan, like just hope fish, you know, like keeps the sunny, you know, keep a sunny side up, hope for, you know, one or two upsets this season and, you know, like hope that the team shows some progress. I think what, I mean, and what will make this season feel really long if you're an Arizona fan um, is if the offensive line has continued to be a problem and no one really emerges at QB. Yeah, that would be, that would be the worst that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would, would be very hard to watch. And I, I mean, like I said, like I think Fish is a really smart offensive play caller. He's been around some really great offensive minds, um, you know, too. I don't know. It's going to, I don't, I don't know that the, you know, if the, you know, the, the best, you know, the best drawn plays in the world aren't going to work if the, I mean, in particular, because the quarterback, if he's not getting through his reads quickly, this offensive line's not going to hold, right? Like, and the quarterback, I mean, the like you can you can win with a middling offensive line if your quarterback makes his reads, right? Like Joe, that uh, that LSU offensive line was really good. Joe Burrow just made his reads lightning fast, right? So like that's what allowed LSU to basically play zero protection and, and send everybody out on a route was because Burrow was so good at his reads. I, that's what that's what concerns me with these Arizona QBs. I just kind of worry that they're all going to hold the ball and the offensive line stinks. 
<laughs> and then it's a spiral, right? Because the offense yeah. doesn't get points and the defense is on the field and the defense isn't very good and the offense comes back and they're three and out and the defense goes and anyway, it's a total mess. Um well well let's leave it on that happy happy note here, Rob. Um what, what do you, now I now I I heard that there were some electronic issues uh, over at Sharp College Football. Are, are you back up and they're running? Fixed. Or what's going oh on? my gosh, it turned out to be a driver issue. Like talk about of all the things that makes your uh, you know, your preamp, you know, like not function and just have dropouts. It's like, what a pain. <laughs> <laughs> so are you back up doing uh, videos? Yeah, I got, so I have to redo Iowa and Washington because the audio is unsalvageable, oh. um, with the dropouts, which is, which is okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll knock them out. So I'll, I will try to re-record Washington tonight and then probably do Iowa tomorrow and then do Cincinnati, and then we'll have we'll have twenty videos in. We will be twenty videos deep into the college football preview already. Yeah, and keep a lookout for some articles too. We're gonna start doing a little bit more written content. We've been doing a lot of video. I hate the word content. I'm gonna get that out of my head. Um, we're gonna do video um, and audio, and and some of the written stuff. I think sometimes when you can just see the numbers in front of you, uh, it's often helpful. And we'll probably start with some of the best teams, so you can just get a feel for what we have to look forward to. Um, one of the the I, one of the things I wish I would have done was write extensively about LSU's offense because it was freaking awesome <laughs> a couple of years ago and just see what that was in Alabama's uh, offense this past year. We might start with Bama um, and kind of go through some of those those numbers because what Sarkeesian was able to do there was quite impressive. Um, all right. Well, hey, let's let's end it there, Rob. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Where can the fine people follow you, Rob, before we get out of here? Uh, you can find me at BetaRankFB or at Sharp College Football. All right. And we will catch everybody next week. We'll go into the the North. And what do you want to do in the North here, Rob? Uh, well, we haven't been doing them in pods. So do you want to do like, uh, do you want to do, Cal? I mean, Cal, let's do Cal. I'm interested <laughs> in what we've got with the bears. And then, um, oh, geez. Let's do, do, do one, do... let's do one where there's actually writers covering the team. Oh, it, Cal's it's... impossible. Like finding beat writers, even for like the San Francisco Chronicle is like yeah. impossible. They're the worst. Like, I I end up reading like the Cal student newspaper. <laughs> I know it's it's been pretty rough. And then there's that one like Cal writer that got really mad at us. Um, oh yeah. So well, let's definitely do Cal, but let's do. Um, you want to do Washington or Oregon? Because I because I know there's people writing there. I mean, there's a lot been a lot of coverage on their spring stuff. Uh, I mean, and I've previewed them both. I mean, they're. Uh, I, let's let's do Washington. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then that'll be fresh in our minds anyway. All right. Washington yep. and Cal, we'll, we'll talk about questions. We'll touch a little bit on the depth charts as we head towards spring. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we will catch you next.